We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, hey, what's up, what's up? It is a Thursday night live edition of Finding Freedom here today. Great to have you here. Um, I've been talking about doing doing this for a while, and I tried to uh, start this last week where I release my episodes on Thursday nights in video format on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Rumble, and uh, basically every stream that I have, uh, video stream that I have. Um, I tried to do that last week with my interview doing a premiere but I messed something up and ended up running at like uh, two o'clock in the morning on a very early Thursday morning. So that didn't work. Um, so this week, this is a, a live show uh, coming to you live. No guest. Um, I'll be uh, talking about some some stories, some really important stories that uh, really are surprising in uh, in many ways. Uh, we're going to talk about a story out of Indiana uh, where some parents have had a child removed from their care, from their house, um, because essentially because they refuse to use their child's preferred pronouns. Uh, we'll get into that story. In Indiana, this is happening. Crazy. Um, we'll talk about briefly in Canada how there is a new bill being introduced there that could make it very easy to persecute Christians just for reading, quoting, uh, quoting the Bible. Uh, I do want to touch on the Kansas City shooting, some updates that have happened there. So we'll get to that. And you can't talk about anything Kansas City without at least talking a little bit, a little bit about uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and how much of a stupid idiot Travis Kelsey is. So we'll get to that. And then lastly, uh, we'll close things out. I just want to touch on, there's been, there's been some studies. There's, you know, it seems like there is a media push. A, uh, it's not a media push. It's just like a uh, the vegan diet, anti-meat lobby. Um, it's being shoved down our throat. Of course, this is coming from, uh, elites that are trying to uh, convert our society into one that eats the bugs. So we'll talk about that and we'll talk about why every health study you've seen um, that's done in this way, where they follow around thousands of people, take surveys on what they eat, and then they gather this data. And uh, it's all crap. It's, it's all just uh, total uh Total crap, these studies. So we'll dig into those a little bit. But before I get to that, um, I want to talk about a trip I was on recently. So uh just got back from Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. And the trip went well. Um, some interesting observations from TSA, both in the US and in uh 
Dominican Republic, whatever they call their, um, it's not TSA. I'm not even sure what the heck it is. It's whatever their flight, you know, travel security agency is the Dominican travel security agency, but was in uh, the Dominican for a trip that my wife and I earned. Um, we both are brand ambassadors for a company that, uh, you know, sells health supplements, uh, supplement stacks, systems that help with uh, metabolic health, gut health, help people to uh, really heal, you know, issues by striking the root rather than, um, you know, going to a pharmaceutical and hacking at the uh, hacking at the branches. So my wife and I have been with this company for years. It's called Plexus. And uh, we ended up earning this trip because we, we hit some, uh, yeah, basically the threshold you had to hit in order to earn the trip. And by doing so, pretty cool. We were able to bring along um, my wife's parents on the trip as well, which was awesome. They had never been to uh, the, the Dominican, really had never been to a, a resort like this. The resort was freaking awesome. Um, we'd been to, my wife and I had been to the Dominican for our 10-year anniversary just last um, May. And that resort was really cool in um, really the, uh, hospitality side of it, the food, everything. And that one was first class. This one, it was a, uh, it did have, um, it was sort of split into two resorts. There was a, a family side resort where actually we were staying, even though it was just my wife and I, we didn't have our daughter with us. And then there was an adults only side and you could go to either the adults only side, unsurprisingly was much better. But the best thing about this resort was the beach. Freaking, I can't even explain how awesome this beach was. And it was like, it was, you didn't even have to walk far. You come out of the pool area and you're right on the beach. Um, one of the restaurants that you could go to was literally freaking 10 feet from the water. Crystal clear, blue water, white sand beaches, um, palm trees, freaking everywhere just like out of a, uh, out of a magazine. It was, it was amazing. And, and the weather was perfect. It was, didn't get above like 85 degrees. It only rained when we left. Like that's like the perfect trip. You, that's what you want to happen when you leave like a exotic uh, vacation like that. You want it to rain. So you're like, yeah, that's why I'm leaving. Cause it's raining and you don't, uh, don't feel like you want to stay. So everything was perfect there. The travel there travels always, interesting. And, and I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't travel much at all anymore. Um, I used to have to travel for, for work, for my day job. Um, I really, I don't think I've traveled out there um, for a couple of years now, but actually the last trip I think I went on was our anniversary trip uh, to the Dominican. So my last two trips have been to the Dominican Republic. But so maybe this is like old news. I don't know. But TSA like, and they have this in the Dominican Republic too. So it's not just TSA. It's this, the, you know, international, international security apparatus who's ever selling these machines. These new uh, machines where you put your freaking shoes and your backpack and whatever into the, uh, you know, the little uh, tray or whatever, they have these like different, it's not just like the old days where you just had your stack of trays and you grab your tray, you put your stuff in it. And you put it on the belt and it goes through. Now they have like freaking stations. Like you got to walk up. There's four stations with numbers on the, on the ground. So four people can walk up. And then these trays come out down below. You pick them. You put them in front of you. You load your stuff in it. 
but the way they have it set up, it's like they designed this and never tested it. Um, you can't even like, if you're in like the first position, you can't even get your tray onto the belt because the people in the first three positions, so I guess positions two, three, and four, doesn't matter, whatever. Um, you can kind of picture in your mind what I'm talking about. Those people have already loaded up their trays and have pushed them over. So now you have no space to put your tray. So you're just stuck there. So you have to like put your hand out and stop the other trays from coming down as you push your stuff onto the belt. Worst design. I, I I don't know who thinks of this stuff without testing it. Um, I shouldn't say that. It, what happens is uh, companies that have you know obviously donated politically to the right candidates get these contracts. And when you have a system like that where there's no competition and a company is just handed millions of dollars to develop this technology or to scale this technology in order to uh, outfit all of these you know, different airports in the U.S. and around the world, then they don't test it and they don't care if it works or not because there's no incentive. It's not like another company is going to come in and steal the business. It just is what it is. So you deal with this stupid situation where you get backup after backup after backup in these lines because they've totally destroyed any sort of flow that you can have getting through these security checkpoints. So it's completely just, it's just stupid. And it, it was funny to watch just how angry people were getting at just trying to navigate these systems. Um, this, this was down in the, in the Dominican. There's this one guy that's just, you know, freaking just throwing his stuff down on the ground. He's, you know, yelling at this Dominican guy, trying to communicate with him. The Dominican guy obviously had no idea what he was saying, not speaking English, but just a, just a crazy, uh, crazy situation. We've got ourselves in handing uh, airport security over to the governments of the world. And, uh, and they don't even do the like scanners anymore. You put your hand up above your head. I think every time I went through a metal detector and two of the times I forgot to take my belt off and walked right through with uh, no issue. So I, I don't know what, like what they're even doing. It's, it's all just uh security theater, the whole thing. But anyway, one more note on my travels. Uh, Cause this kind of ties in, well, ties in a little bit to what we'll be talking about. Um, so I did notice when I, you know, every flight that we boarded, you know, the pilot gets on. I mean, every single flight, it was a male pilot. And, you know, I'm going to be totally honest here. And some people will hear this and they'll hear it and they're going to judge me for saying it. I'm just going to say, just hold off on judging me for just a moment and let me explain myself. Okay. Before you start flipping out, just hold off, hold off. So when I heard the pilot's voice was male, I was relieved. I, I honestly was relieved. I was like, okay, all right. Okay. We, we got a pilot that you know knows how to fly this plane. Everything's going to be good. Now, before you jump through the freaking uh, little cell phone device that you're listening on and start to strangle me for saying that, I don't have anything against female pilots. They're probably great. They're probably awesome pilots. There's probably tons, hundreds, thousands of great female pilots out there. The reason I'm saying I'm glad it was a male because with DEI quotas, diversity, equity, and inclusion quotas, I've lost all trust in the process. 
And if there's a, a minority pilot or a female pilot, automatically I'm thinking that they were shoved in there and put into a role that they might not be deserving of. And, you know, women and minorities should not like this. They, they should not be in favor of DEI because what it's doing is it's taking away the credibility and really the, the trust in their ability to do the job because they have this label attached to them now that they have gotten a leg up in, uh, in qualifying and being able to get these jobs. Now, if they didn't have DEI and there was, you know, a, a female pilot or a minority pilot, um, I wouldn't think that same way. I would think, well, wow, this person's definitely qualified because they got the job to fly this plane. They went through the same um, process as anyone else would to fly this plane. So why wouldn't they be qualified? But when you start to change the system and give certain types of people, certain demographics, a leg up and an easier path to a job, then whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm, I get a little bit concerned when I, uh, when I see that. And maybe that's just me. And if it is just me, I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. All right. Um, and I mean, just another example of that, like, look at Kamala Harris, vice president of the United States. Kamala Harris, when Joe Biden was selecting his vice pres presidential candidate, he said before he announced Kamala Harris as his vice presidential candidate, he said, I'm going to select a woman, a most, I think he said, most likely a, a black woman said something like that, paraphrased. So immediately, you know that they've limited the pool of potential candidates and they are not selecting on the competency, the credentials, the intellect, the experience of that candidate. They have limited the pool to only a certain demographic of candidates. And even if, just imagine what she's not. Imagine Kamala Harris was qualified and was a fantastic vice president, and she was just like, wow, this woman's amazing. She, she would always be tarnished with that label that she only got that job because the president who selected her said ahead of time that, well, I'm going to select this person because they are a female, because they are black. So this DEI stuff is actually harming the people it's trying to help by making it appear that they are not qualified for the roles that they're getting, which in many, many, many cases probably is not the case, but it's putting that stigma on it, which is not a good thing. It's not a good thing for anyone. And uh, it's a shame, really. All right, so pivoting to our first news article of the day. This is out of Indiana. This is not out of New York. This is not out of California. This is not out of New Jersey. This is not even out of Pennsylvania or Ohio. This is Indiana, ladies and gentlemen. A uh, Catholic couple in Indiana is asking the Supreme Court to hold the state accountable for keeping their child out of their home after they declined to use his chosen name and pronouns. Let me adjust my microphone live on the air. Dealing with a new mic here. Hopefully it sounds good. You know, you never know if it's going to sound good until you really listen back to it. 
the last two episodes i think sounded better than the first one i think this is my this is my fourth episode with this new mic so um hopefully it's good and shout out to uh lions of liberty patrons who have been you know supporters and have you know donated their resources to us in order for us to do things like this like upgrade our microphones and hopefully bring you better sound quality and eventually it will be pristine sound quality after we get everything uh you know fully tweaked but getting back to this case so the case is mc and jc versus indiana department of child services so it is mary and jeremy cox they are appealing to the to the supreme court after they were investigated by indiana officials for refusing to refer to their son using pronouns and a name inconsistent with his biological sex um Arguing state court laws allowed Indiana to keep the child from living in his parents' home due to their disagreement with the child's gender identity because of their religious beliefs. So, the state, upon completing the investigation, they determined the allegations of abuse against Mary and Jeremy were unsubstantiated, but, but they still argued that the disagreement over gender identity was distressing the child. Now, the legal counsel here, Laurie Windham, vice president and senior counsel at Beckett, she says, keeping a child away from loving parents because of their religious beliefs, even when the state admits there was no abuse or neglect, is wrong, and it's against the law. The court should take this case and make clear that other states can't take children away because of ideological disagreements. Now, this is a massive, massive case. Imagine the precedent that this would set if the Supreme Court does not step in. Imagine what will happen in New York and New Jersey and Ohio and Pennsylvania and California and Virginia and New Hampshire and Massachusetts and Michigan and Wisconsin. And just imagine what happens everywhere else. It's a little background on this story. In 2019, Mary and Jeremy's son told them that he identified as a girl. But, of course, Mary and Jeremy, they're Catholics. They don't believe that this is possible, which is 100% fine. I agree with Mary and Jeremy. You cannot change your gender. It's not possible. It's not something you can do. You're born a male or a female. So they have the same beliefs that I do. Um, They believe that God created human beings with an immutable sex, male or female. Um, they did not believe in referring to him using the pronouns and a name inconsistent with his biology. I wonder where this kid got this idea implanted in his brain that he was the opposite sex. And I wonder where he got this idea to change his name, probably start dressing differently, maybe behind his parents' back, and where he got this idea to go against his parents. Schools, guidance counselors, therapists, psychologists, all of the above. It's a crazy world, man. I mean, raising kids in today's world is wild. And uh, if you don't have a, if you aren't strongly rooted in faith, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't know how you do it. Let's get back to the story. So the Coxes believed that their son was struggling with an underlying mental health condition. Obviously, he was. He had an eating disorder. 
and they sought therapeutic care for both. So that's the problem there. So when you seek therapeutic care, you are putting yourself in the hands of someone who's been educated by liberal academia, who's been educated um, to think that you can change from male to female. You can change your name and you can become a completely different being. You don't have to be male or female. You can be a cat. You can be whatever you want. That's how these people are educated. That's how they're indoctrinated. And they're doing the same thing to children. Now, I will say this. Once you get older, you're over 18, if you want to dress up as a whatever, a a man or a woman, the opposite sex, if if you want to do that, if you want to be a furry, I don't care. I mean, I do care. I, I wish you wouldn't. I wish you wouldn't do that. Because it's it's not good for your mental health. It's not good for you yourself personally. I really wish you wouldn't do that. But I don't think the government should be stepping in the way and stopping people from doing that. Just to make myself clear on that, um, where I stand. So 2021. So we're 2019. That's when um, their son comes to them and says this. 2021. Indiana officials uh, began investigating the Coxes after a report found they were not referring to their child by his preferred gender. Wonder wonder where this report came from. Um, Removing the teen from their custody and placing them in a gender-affirming home. How crazy is that? I wonder how a home gets um, labeled gender-affirming and what kind of lunatics are in charge of that home. Um, despite the unsubstantiated claims of abuse, they claimed the Coxes made the child eating disorder worse, even though it worsened after he was removed and placed in this new transition affirming home, gender affirming home. Um, things got worse. The child's health got worse. The eating order, the, the uh, eating disorder got worse. So the Office of the Attorney General, this is after this article was published, um, reached out to Fox News and said, we always protect parental rights and religious liberty. Um, Neither we nor the Indiana courts believe that the state can remove a child because of, as my screen just, there we go, it's back now, because of a parent's religious beliefs, views about gender, identity, or anything of that sort. Our office is fulfilling our statutory duty to defend this state agency and to keep an oath. I swore when I took Indiana governors, that's blah, 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 blah. I'm very sympathetic to the parents and everyone who follows my work as attorney general knows I'm the biggest defender proponent of parental parental rights. Um, so they're trying to backtrack. They're trying to save face here. They're trying to say that um, what actually happened from what I can tell here, they're saying that didn't happen. And the child was removed because of the eating disorder, not because of uh, the parents not conforming to this child's um, insanity with trying to change his gender. So that's that's where we are there. So when the case was first heard at trial, um, Indiana officials argued the child should be in a home where she is, where he, saying that it's she, um, is accepted for who she is. He is. Man, my screen keeps blinking in and out. If anyone has a, a Mac um, that they hook up to monitors, I don't know if you deal with this thing where the screen will just go black like every minute. It's uh, infuriating. It doesn't happen all the time. 
just happens when I'm doing something like this where I need to use my screen. Oh, gosh. It's crazy. Okay. So they restricted the Cox's visitation time to a few hours once a week, barred them from speaking to their child about their religious views. So the most important thing to them and the most important thing probably to pass on to their child, the state of Indiana said you can't speak about it. Are you kidding me? Freedom of speech, anyone? Is it out there? Do we still have it? I guess not in Indiana. Um, so they couldn't speak about religious views, human sexuality, or gender identity. Um, even though the court determined the Coxes were fit parents, there was no abuse, and the state even upheld, or, or even after this, after affirming that, that they were fit parents, the state upheld the removal of the child, which was later upheld by the appeals court. You know, I, I think I've made clear where I stand on this and why and why I stand where I stand. Could I say stand anymore? Um, but this is serious, guys. And, you know, I think people who don't have kids and maybe aren't aware of what's happening um, to our kids, you know, primarily through public schools, but there's also other avenues. Um, you know, counselors, therapists, psychologists, um, these types of people really indoctrinating children. Now, of course, it's not every public school. And, you know, they even say with uh, this uh, transitioning that it happens in pockets, which if something's happening in pockets, going against um, statistical norms, like when you see in Hollywood, and I, I'm terrible at remembering any Hollywood actors or actresses' names, but there's one Hollywood Hollywood actress who has like three, you know, gender transitioning kids. She has three trans kids. the The odds of that happening statistically are so far less than zero that I don't even know how to communicate that number. So things like that happen where you have like one home has more than one trans kid, and then you have like a group of friends have like, they're like 75% trans kids. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't real. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, converting and changing your gender is a real thing as it is. But if it was a real thing, it wouldn't be happening in like pockets or just certain uh, familial units like that in certain families. That's just crazy. And it goes against science. Like it goes against statistical science. So for those who these uh, lefties say, trust the science. Well, look at it. It's not there. Like it's not, it's not real. The, uh, the data doesn't back it up. So just total craziness. And like I said, I'll say it again. If it can, if it can happen in Indiana, very conservative place, Indiana, it can happen anywhere because it seeps into the cities. It seeps into the suburbs and then it just expands out from there. It expands out from there. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. And I think as Christians, we have to be very careful what we say about things like this, about, um, you know, about this transitioning, this trans movement. Obviously, the individuals who are doing this are very, very confused. 
Um, there's mental illness. There's been indoctrination. Um, they are hurting. And, you know, I think expressing any sort of hatred in that direction is not the answer. Um, we need to be compassionate. You know, we need to be understanding as much as we can be understanding in the circumstances. Well, at the same time, drawing a very, very bold red line that stay the heck away from children. Stay away from my kids and stay away from all children. Um, it's not an easy time to raise kids in this country. And I think those people who don't have kids... A lot of libertarians out there who kind of gloss over this and say, you know, do what thou wilt. You want to change your sex. You want to change your gender. As long as you're hurting anybody, do whatever you want. That's a dangerous path to go down. That's a very dangerous path to go down. All right. So moving on, but to a, a you know sort of similar story, talking about um, being a Christian in, in today's world, um, there is a bill in Canada and Depending how this bill is interpreted, um, this bill could definitely be used to persecute Christians or really any religion. Um, and this bill has been introduced, excuse me, has been introduced in Canada. So the bill summary, um, I'll, I'll read it. It's legalese. So just kind of bear with me and then we'll talk about it. So this enactment amends the criminal code. Of course, my screen goes blank there. This enactment amends the criminal code to eliminate as a defense against willful promotion of hatred or anti-Semitism the fact that a person in good faith expressed or attempted to establish by an argument an opinion on a religious subject or an opinion based on a belief in a religious text. So let's make no mistake about this. If passed, this bill could be used to land Christians, Muslims, any other religion out there, Scientology, I don't know, um, in jail for quoting the Bible or expressing a faith-based opinion if the Canadian government can deem it. It's either promoting hatred in some way, so maybe it goes against um, you know, this transition of children. Um, that we just talked about in the last story, or if it could be construed as some sort of anti-Semitism, then you could easily use this this new this new bill in Canada, which has not been passed yet, probably will be, um, in order to persecute Christians. And you know, it, it, it's interesting. This past weekend on the trip I was on, uh, I was just talking to um, one of the guys I met there, and I mean, and it was awesome to be surrounded by on this trip. So many people, so many like-minded people who understand where we are as a country. Um, you have to understand, you know, a lot of the people who were, you know, at this, on this trip, you know, these are people who don't trust the government. These are people who don't trust pharmaceutical companies and want to use um, natural alternative uh, supplements in order to treat health, strike the root, heal their body and not go um, the you know pharmaceutical way. So you have people who are, are, are really a lot of like-minded people who think about things the right way. And I mean, and a lot of Christians, not all Christians, but um, this, this guy I was talking to, 
um, happens to be a Christian as well. And we were talking about Christian persecution. And when you look at the United States and you look at Canada, look at these first world countries, we really don't have religious persecution in this country to really any extent. Now that could change. Um, but when you, when you compare it to what happens in, you know, parts of the Middle East and Syria, which has happened um, in, in Iraq, which has happened uh, where Christians are persecuted. Um, there's other areas, you know, where Muslims are persecuted. Of course, Jews have, have been, have been, uh, have been persecuted. So, we really have been insulated from that in this country. <clears throat> and I hope it doesn't change. I, 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 I would never want persecution uh, to that degree in this country where people are fearful of their life, fearful of their live, livelihood, fearful of being attacked. But I don't think people realize how quickly it could happen as things turn point to the example that I think everyone will agree with me when you think about this a little bit, just look at COVID. Look how quickly things turned with COVID where people were so quickly to get behind the, uh, the authorities in charge who are protecting the safety and welfare of, uh, of their fellow man and pointing out um, who wasn't vaccinated, who wasn't wearing their mask as you know, people just came down on uh on their fellow man and it wasn't the government really it was the government who was setting some of the mandates yes but it was the people walking on the streets the people um ganging up on individuals in grocery stores who weren't wearing a mask and screaming at them and yelling at them um it was just regular people and that's how this type of stuff happens and that's what we have to be very very aware of um in this world today to make sure it doesn't happen and we can stamp it out um, before it were to become a problem. All right. So moving on, I do want to talk a little bit about the Kansas city parade shooting and two suspects have been arrested. Two men have been charged with murder in this deadly shooting. Um, the, the prosecution of the two men, uh, this comes after Two juvenile suspects were charged separately um, last week in connection with, with the shooting. One woman was killed. 22 people were injured. A lot of these kids. And, you know, it's starting to come out here that this seems like it was a gang-related shooting. And Ann Coulter was on Bill Maher. I'm not going to play the clip. but um, And I'm not a huge fan of Ann Coulter, but, you know, when someone's right, you're going to – you're going to say they're right. And this was before they had identified the race of the shooters. And Bill Maher is saying, well, we don't have the information yet to know who the shooter is. This is like days, four or five, six days after the uh, the shooting. And Ann, Ann Coulter goes, well, if you don't know, uh, then you know it's not a, a white person. Because if it was a white person or white people that were the shooters, you would know immediately. It would be everywhere um, over the headlines. And of course, you, you don't hear reporting that these handguns are stolen. Um, yeah, so this this story just doesn't fit into the gun control narrative. Um, there weren't any long guns used. You know, these were these were all handguns, and uh, this was a dispute between, you know, either rival gangs or you know people who, who didn't like each other. Um, and it's terrible tragedy, just a uh, just an awful awful tragedy. 
And, you know, one person who, and I don't want to make light of this because someone did die and children, young children, especially, um, especially when a child gets shot, even if they live like most likely that injury is going to stick with them in some way, their whole life, either in a physical way, mental way, or both, which is just terrible. So I'm not, I don't want to make any light of that because it's awful. Um, but one of the biggest beneficiaries to this shooting, and this is not a conspiracy theory. This is just reading what happened here and looking at news headlines. So what took over the news headlines was the, the shooting. Of course, it jumped right to oh, gun control. We need to get the guns out of people's hands. How can we let this happen? You have all the ESPN talking heads, liberal talking heads coming forward saying that how many, how many more times are we going to let this happen before we do something about gun control? Meanwhile, like I said, stolen gun. How many laws were broken in order for you know this to even happen? Of course, it's illegal to shoot people. And everyone's talking about the guns and not about the, the people who did it. But anyway, who benefited from this was Travis Kelsey. And I'm not going to play this video either, but I'll, I'll link to it on the show notes page at lionsofliberty.com. Travis Kelsey and, you know, at, at first when Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift started their little uh, romance, I, I'll admit, I, I thought it was fake. I thought it was you know, a part of like a, you know, Pfizer promotion. I thought it was Taylor Swift was, um, you know, promoting her, I guess she had a movie out or whatever. It wasn't a, wasn't a movie. It was just a, a concert in a movie theater, which whatever she, uh, she will never stop extracting money from her fan base. That's uh, that's what she's great at. Very talented, very talented at that. Anyway, now that I've pissed off the Swifties. So, Travis Kelsey, he did that stupid Viva Las Vegas thing right after they won the Super Bowl, sounded like an idiot. And then at the parade, you know, there's some videos of him bonging beers and nothing wrong with that. I got no problem with a guy celebrating, drinking beers, pounding beers. I, that's not what my issue is. Have fun. Dude, you just won the Super Bowl. It's awesome. Good for you. What I do have a problem with is what happened when they're up on stage. Um, you know, this re reception is happening and, you know, different chiefs are, are taking the mic and Travis Kelsey starts singing the famous Garth Brooks song. I've got friends in low places easily, easily the worst rendition ever done of that song in the history of the world, without a doubt. I mean, I, I can say that a hundred percent confidence. No one has ever butchered that song worse than Travis Kelsey did. And I, you know, it sounded like he's like incredibly drunk, so drunk he could barely speak. But to me, someone who knows a lot about drunk people, because I've been around a lot of drunk people in my life. I was in fraternity in, uh, in college. Um, I've tailgated a lot of football games. I interact and see a lot of drunk people. And what Travis Kelsey came off to me as, and I'm just going off some clips here. Obviously, I wasn't there. I didn't see him the whole time. Seemed like he was faking drunk a little bit. Not saying he didn't drink at all. I think he was drinking. But the way that he was acting, it was like, I'm going to try to act like I see drunk people act in movies and on TV. Like, because people just don't get drunk and do that. Like, it was the most cringeworthy thing I've seen it was it was horrible and you know 
you can put aside the fact that he's just a terrible singer, which he is. And Taylor Swift being the most popular singer in the world right now. Um, it's just crazy when you start to think about this. Like, how is Taylor Swift going to be with and potentially marry and have children with maybe one of the worst singers, at least based on that performance, in the history of the world? Now, maybe he just was that drunk and was singing that poorly and was actually that drunk. If if that's the case, then the guy can't even handle alcohol like at all. Like what kind of person like gets that drunk and can't even can't even speak? Grown man doing that. Like what is that? I I, I don't I don't know. It's I've talked too much about this, but this the whole thing like I, I do think that that relationship is legitimate between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Um but you know, friend of the show John Ziegler who has uh you know, John Ziegler has his podcast, Death of Journalism, which is a great podcast. I suggest people listen to it. I don't agree with John on everything, but he always gives you unique perspective on the news, which a lot of time I agree with a lot of what he's saying. And it makes me think, which is uh, which is important. You don't want to just listen to people and take in media from people that you 100% agree with. You, you want to get different um, different viewpoints as well to, to challenge your, your own beliefs. Um, John has actually taken his podcast to subscription only. Um, and if anybody likes his work, I would encourage you to uh, to check that out. Um, if you just listen to any of his latest podcasts, he will tell you how to do that. It's kind of convoluted. You got to email someone and they send you a link or they will send a link out. But anyway, um, John thinks that there's no chance now that um, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift will get married and have children. And I have to agree with him. I think after this has happened, I think the the odds of them getting married and having children i would put at less than five percent it's possible it's possible maybe he totally changes and he cleans up his act and he starts wearing like uh you know reading glasses and and looking like he's a you know educated um scholarly individual and uh maybe that happens i doubt it i highly doubt it but you never know crazier things have happened all right. So last thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about just diets in general here. And I'm not going to, there's, there's two articles that um, I'm going to reference. So one, um, I saw both these on Twitter. One is in the New York post and references, references a study saying that sleep apnea can be cured by simply switching to a vegan diet. And the other one is in the uh, Epoch Times or Epoch Health, same website. And it says that this is a study, eating plant protein linked to reduced risk of chronic disease, extended lifespan. And both of these studies are pretty similar in that like the the uh, eating plant protein, reducing the uh, or extending life, life uh, lifespan one, they followed around and they didn't follow around. So they they gathered data from almost 50,000 participants in this study over 30 years. And, uh, you know, they tracked, you know, a bunch of uh, aging health markers, cancer, diabetes, um, heart attack, stroke, um, clogged arteries, congestive heart failure, pulmonary disease, kidney failure, multiple sclerosis, 
um, Parkinson's disease, all these different things. So they tracked all these bad health outcomes, and then they divided the diets into, um, you know, basically people who are eating a plant-based diet and people who are eating um, a a meat-based diet. Now, the problem with any study, and this is the same in the sleep apnea study, which was very similar. In that study, um, they pulled data from, and yeah, it's they're pulling data. So they pulled data, these are like surveys from 14,000 people, um, and they quizzed them on their eating habits. So they basically asked, like, what did you eat in the last 24 hours? So not very scientific. Um, studies like this, you can really make them say, whatever the heck you want them to say. Because uh, you can exclude data. You can you can you know, decide to you know, sort of build a consens- consensus around uh, certain groups of data. But the problem with these studies and why you should never trust a study like this that is based on a food survey is that they're only looking at like certain things. They're only looking at like, okay, so we're looking for people who are eating these certain plant-based proteins. Um, They're eating, you know, pea protein, they're eating uh, potato protein, whatever they're, they're they're getting uh, protein from, uh, from nuts and uh, legumes and things like that. And then on on the meat side, Oh, you're eating meat. Okay, good. So you're a meat, meat eater eater person. You know, you, you, you in the past 24 hours, how many times have you had meat? How many meals? And that's how they like figure this out. And then they're like, okay, what's your, um, what's your health history? What, what, What health issues do you have? And they start just linking things together through that. But they're not asking like, okay, um, how much sugar do you eat? Um, do you exercise? Do you, do you run? Do you lift weights? Um, how, how's your sleep? Do you sleep well? So there, there's so many different things that tie into health. And it's, it's making me so angry when I see studies like this with these headlines. And like I said at the top of the show, the elites can kind of use this thing to freaking like push down on people saying, stop eating meat. It's killing you. When in reality, there is no evidence that meat is bad for you. And I'm not someone who thinks that we should be eating carnivore only diets. I think there's diets that are definitely a lot worse than carnivore diets, like the standard American diet, you know, where your people are eating out at Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King. Um, five, seven times a week. That is terrible. Um, and I think carnivore, for some people, going carnivore completely, it seems to work. Like their body just seems to work that way. But I think most people, probably a carnivore diet, it's not the best idea. Maybe short term. I don't, I don't think there's any problem with doing a short term carnivore diet or really any diet just to try it out um, for a short period of time. And, and honestly, I think it's good for. Um, your mental health in some ways to uh, to shock your system in in, uh, in short bursts to change your eating habits, even only for a couple of days. Um, and, and that's why like things like fasting or really restricted eating for uh, for three or four days is a uh, is a really good thing to do. Um, aside from the other health health benefits of uh, autophagy, cellular clean out, and uh, uh, metabolic boosts and things like that. But yeah. Um, so if they're not asking about all of that other stuff, it's 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 crap. And the only way they could do a study the right way is if you were really literally tracking what people are eating over a, you know, 10 year, 
15 year, 20 year, 30 year period. And at the same time tracking, you know, what health health issues did they have? You would have to be tracking everything. You have to be tracking exercise, tracking sleep, which maybe hopefully there's studies like this happening now, since we do have the technology to do it, you know, more relatively easily. Uh, but yeah, if it's, if you just read these headlines that you're more likely to get rid of your sleep apnea, if you just stop eating cows, shut up. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. Like this, this study's garbage. So don't fall for that stuff. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just, it's anti, it's anti common sense. And, you know, I, I don't know if, we're going to end up in a circumstance where they really do, uh, you know, clamp down and, you know, try to force eating bugs down our throat and eating, you know, uh, lab grown meat down our throat. I, I think, it, I think it's probably going to seep its way in, in a, uh, in a subtle way. Um, will we reach a point where there's a, a CBDC that says you can only have one steak a month? Maybe, I don't know. Buy Bitcoin, work your way around that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited that I just bought a uh, a book recommended by a friend of the show, uh, Dan Jogiston. Uh, probably butchered butchered name there, Dan. I'm sorry. Um, it's called the I don't have it in front of me. Well, what's it called? It's the uh, the Fiat Fiat Health. Anyway, I'm looking forward to reading it. It, it talks about really how uh, fiat currency has destroyed, I haven't started yet. I'm just guessing this now because I, I really don't know anything about it, but I'm assuming it's going to talk about how fiat currency has destroyed eating habits um, and how through Bitcoin, you can kind of save that by, I'm just guessing now. I, I don't even know. I'm just making up the book as I go. If I wrote the book, here's what I would write, how we can connect with our local communities, our local farms, our local uh you know, butchers to get high quality protein, high quality uh, fruits and vegetables, but by using Bitcoin. But that's just what I would write if I wrote that book. I don't know what the book's actually going to say. I just assume it'll say something like that. Whew, wow, what a show. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show today, my uh, ranting and uh, enraging. It's been a crazy 24 hours. Like I said, just got back from... Uh, the Dominican. Our flight got in last night at 2 a.m. We were, it was, it was kind of crazy. We were flying. So we flew from the Dominican to, uh, to Charlotte. And they said that flight normally takes three hours and 15 minutes, but there were, and this was the pilot's words, male pilot call back to the top of the show. Um, he said, we are facing unprecedented headwinds, which I guess going that way. Normally you're not, it kind of makes sense. You normally wouldn't be going into headwinds when you're coming north from uh, the Dominican, from the Caribbean to uh, to the south southeast of the U.S. But we were, so it added on another hour to the trip, and there was so much turbulence. It wasn't the worst flight I've been on, but it was it was a lot of turbulence. Um, a lot of people were were uncomfortable, uh, but adding an hour because of headwinds that's just crazy. So. We didn't get home till 2 a.m. Thank God we didn't miss our connecting flight in Charlotte. Made that. That flight was longer as well, too, which was which was crazy. But uh, that's just, uh, I guess that's weather. That's climate change. Climate change making flights longer. That's what Al Gore would say. 
All right, guys. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this show. Hopefully you enjoy what we're doing here at Lions of Liberty. If you do, come join us. Come join us. Come be a part of it. Come join the pride. Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Lions of Liberty.locals.com. You just search for Lions of Liberty on Patreon or Locals. We just got a new supporter yesterday. Don't have the name in front of me, but welcome. I'll make sure that you're in all of the uh, in our Facebook group and uh, that we can get you in there and you get access to all of our bonus content and uh, discounts on merchandise, things like that. So yeah, come join us. We'll have a show, I guess, tomorrow. Today's Thursday night, so tomorrow's Friday. If you're listening to this or watching this live, it'll be tomorrow. If not, it already happened. Maybe you're listening to this on Monday and on Friday, Memoirs was published. So hopefully Brian and I will do a Memoirs this week. Um, Rico and Brian did one last week. And uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about right now in the news. These are absolutely crazy times. Presidential election year with one president being uh, indicted left and right and getting <laughs> losing judgments, paying hundreds of having to pay hundreds of millions of dollars. And the other current sitting president of the United States is literally falling apart both physically and mentally, but will not drop out of the race. What will happen? What will happen between now and November? Nobody knows. We have to uh, have to tune in to try to figure out what the heck crazy, crazy president we're going to end up with. I can't, uh, can't wait to see how it all plays out, but in the meantime, guys, I will see you all next week with another great show. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.